Hi friends, I'm Tanya Luna, psychology researcher and educator. And I'm Brian Luna, and today someone proclaimed me King Rascal. And you're listening to Talk Psych to Me. A show where we take research out of the lab and into the streets. Let's get into it. So this Monday, uh-huh. April 20th, it's a very special day. <laughs> yes. And I know what you're thinking. Yes. And you would be correct. It is Brian Luna's birthday. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> all day. All day. All this is what day. I'm to. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. So in honor of your birthday, Thank which you. is a very special day. So special <laughs> that 420 is really widely known yeah. as a holiday. You know, people used to think that when I, when I would take my pictures... Like, you know, celebrating my birthday with my friends. They're like, oh, nice. You put it at 420. Ooh. You know? I was like, I don't get high. But, like, I didn't even know that was a thing until, honestly. High on birthday. High on cake. Until <laughs> probably the year I met you is when I knew that 420 was, like, about weed. And, and about like Brian Luna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in honor of your birthday, I thought we could talk about the psychology of aging. What do you think about that? Well, I'll tell you this, little Missy. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I, I don't, I ain't, I ain't hurting. A lot of people feel weird about when their birthdays come around and they're like, oh, they get depressed and everything. Yeah, it's like got that. the birthday blues. Yeah, but I don't, I don't get that. I, That's I, because I just, of how many presents you get. Uh, yeah, and even before I met you, I would celebrate. I love it. I love this day because like it's always been very special to me. Because of all the presents. You Not get. just the presents, but it was the one time that my family used to always get together, and it was like a big deal. And my brother, like it's when we were kids, my brother would be nice to me, my sister would be nice to me, and but like we'd all go out as a family and stuff. Which was Do you want to tell people about our birthday month rule? Hell yes. (laughs) When it's your birthday, whatever month that is, it's your birthday month. And what that means is, is that you basically have control. You have the reins. So like you're you're driving the ship. You're the king rascal. I'm the rascal king. Basically, it means like whatever you say goes, but you have to learn to be, which which is why you had yours taken away, is because you have to be (laughs) a kind ruler. You know, like anytime we go out and stuff, you're terrible. Y'all, she is terrible. Terrible. When it was her birthday month, it was like like a, a foot in your neck and just like driving you into the ground. And it was like, you know, you had to pay taxes on land that you didn't even own. It was all kinds, all the bad <laughs> stuff about kings, why we threw our tea in the river and all that in the bay. That's what Tanya was like. She was like basically King George <laughs> so, and all the other ones. So I'm allowed a birthday. Barely. And you get the whole month of April. Hey, have you ever complained in birthday month? No, we birthday do some month fun is stuff. Really fun. <laughs> we do some fun stuff. And when I have the reins, I like choose the menus and all that stuff. You pick the movies we watch. Pick the movies you we watch. You tell me what to get you as presents. Yeah, I give you my list. <laughs> it's really easy. Okay, so I know you like birthdays. Yes. Now let's talk about age. Okay. Do you think that age ain't nothing but a number? Yeah, I do. You know, it's something that I remind all of my friends, especially uh, my friends that I grew up with, so we're all turning around the same age. Which is what? What's the range? I'm going to be a young, spry 46. And I tell everyone about the same age, like we're all having birthday at the same time. I was just like, just play. Play today. Don't be down. Don't look at your gray hair and think this and that. Go out and put a little more weight on the bench. There are some definite advantages to getting older. Disadvantages, obviously, because, you know, your body is is getting a little weaker or a little more frail or whatever, depending on how you take care of it. That's how I describe you as frail. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel feel pretty sharp. I feel active, energetic. I still read comics. I I play video games. You know, like (laughs) nothing's changed much since when I was 12. So You still wear the uh, same t-shirts? Still wear the same t-shirts. Well, the research would disagree with you. F the research. It's my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) What the research suggests is that there is a very real impact of age on our lives. 
Although you're right that it is completely variable. So mm -hmm. a lot of it has to do with mindset. A lot of it has to do with what you make of your age. But on the whole, age does impact us. So I'd love to talk about that with you. Okay. Before we dive into it, just as a disclaimer, research on age is really tricky to do because you can't do it experimentally. It's not like you can put someone in a lab and say, you will be 20 years old. You will be 80 years old. Right. You got to get it in real time. Yeah. yeah. So we always have to consider that there might be factors that we're not aware of because it can only ever be correlational. So first of all, I'd love to explore something with you called relative age. Okay. This is a field of research that looks at how our age impacts us early in life, depending on whether we're slightly older or mm -hmm. slightly younger than our peers. <laughs> okay. Relative age. So Brian. Yes. Where were you in all of this, relatively speaking? Were you slightly older, slightly younger, or than about average? <laughs> relative to your peers. <laughs> like when you started first grade, were you one of the younger kids, one of the older kids, or right somewhere in between? Okay, so my birthday's in April, which is towards the end of the year. So I think I was one of the younger ones. Like I was, my birthday was one of the last ones to hit, so kids were turning older before I was. How did you but feel I mean, about that? Do you remember feeling anything about it? No, it's just like, you know, you see all these birthday parties happening and you're like, man, when was my birthday? You know, when, <laughs> again, go, Brian Luna really likes birthdays. <laughs> you know, go to mom like, hey, mom, when's April again? Aww. You know, like when you're a kid, like, when's my birthday again? So I had a really interesting early childhood experience because the first time I was in first grade, I was slightly younger than <laughs> <laughs> And then... <laughs> Should we be trusting research for someone who is held back? Like, I noticed I put a lot of stock into what you say, and then I realized I'm talking to someone who's, I've never failed a grade in my life. Only one of us has. Okay, so not many people know this about me, but I got left back in first grade. You failed. You failed. You didn't get left back. No, I did not fail. I, Why? I because you failed. No, no you, I dropped out. There's no... Because <laughs> you had to work the farm. <laughs> I didn't have to go because, work the farm. This was in Brooklyn. I started my <laughs> educational experience in the U.S. I was born in Ukraine. I moved here, and I started first grade for the first time. They tried to put me in special ed because they thought I had developmental delays, and um, I dropped out. And then so... I started first grade a second time, and the second time around, I was slightly older than everyone. So I kind of feel like life did this epic experiment on me because I got a chance to see what my life was like And in as a conditions. foreigner, yeah. For someone like you, English was their second language. It must Third, have been... But what? who's counting? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> But yeah, so I grew up in such an anti-immigrant community that I think they took the fact that I couldn't speak English as a sign of some sort of <laughs> severe mental disability. So the community she's talking about is the U.S. <laughs> so I don't know what she's talking a about. A little old neighborhood <laughs> called America. <laughs> Well, I was also dyslexic and didn't speak English yeah. and really didn't like authority. And so it didn't go well for me the first time around. So I'll be able to speak to both experiences. Okay. So I'm curious, what would you think the research shows about the impact of being either slightly older or slightly younger than the rest of your peers? Off the top of my head, maybe there's a little more pressure if you're the older one. So if we think about my own life as having two possible realities, reality one where I stayed in first grade the first time around <laughs> and being slightly younger, <laughs> reality two, which is the one I ended up choosing mm -hmm. or having chosen for me, where I was slightly older, you would think it would have been better for me to stick with the slightly younger path. Yeah. Again, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> There are at least three domains where researchers have found a positive impact of being slightly older. Hmm. Academic success, 
athletic outcomes, and perception of mental health. First, a large number of studies have found that slightly older kids tend to do better than average academically in early childhood and all the way through college, and you can even see this in medical school. Well, yeah, if you know the answers to the tests you failed the first time, yeah, I'd be at academic success too. If I took the same test two or three times, hell yeah, I'd look like a you genius know, the I third or fourth time. I haven't thought about this since it happened, mm -hmm. but I do remember a time in second, first grade where, <laughs> where I pretended that I hadn't learned something that I clearly had already yeah. learned. This Man! <laughs> but this isn't research on the like very small percentage of kids that got left back in first grade. This is just truly looking at birth dates were you someone who was having your birthday ahead of the pack or like you yeah. behind the pack? So <laughs> slightly younger kids perform worse. So slightly younger kids like you. <laughs> and they're even more likely to be identified as special needs, which is exactly what happened to me. <laughs> I was identified as special needs in first, first grade. And here's the nutty thing. The kids who are slightly older have a tendency to be more likely to be identified as gifted, which is what happened to me the second time around. Either way, I was special. Yeah, because you're twice as big as the kids you should be with. You know what I mean? Like twice the, the, as big. How twice do you think as big. Happens? You're driving to school. You know, you have like a, a boyfriend and all that stuff. Like, come on. We're talking about months. Are we? Because it sounds like we're talking about a couple you of years. You think I was... 14 by the time I started first grade. I, honestly, time. I saw a picture of you in the second grade and you looked 12. Okay, but here's the twist. Researchers Bedard and Dewey found that this relationship of being slightly older and having better academic performance mm -hmm. doesn't exist in Denmark and Finland. It exists pretty much all over the world except for these two places. Do you want to take a guess why? Because they're far away. Because <laughs> they sound funny. <laughs> <laughs> Tulips. <laughs> <laughs> all right you're really flailing here the shoes so, no it's the shoes it's the shoes the wooden shoes yeah the wooden shoes they I'm get in the way of everything so sorry the leading theory is that these countries have no academic streaming meaning it's not allowed until age 16 to decide whether kids should be placed in a gifted or average program so everyone is treated the same. Whereas in countries like the US, UK, a lot of other places where this kind of research on relative age has been done, from a very early age, teachers are going, dumb smart, dumb smart, average, average, <laughs> problematic. And they're just sorting kids from a super early age. Did you have that in Texas where they would put you in either the good class or the average class? Well, I don't remember getting separated. I mean, we were all kind of in the same group. There that were, means you were average. No, well, yeah. I mean, You'd I, remember I, getting separated if you were special. No, but there were there were two kids. There were, I'll tell you right now, Stephen Harris and Gina Mello. They actually <laughs> went to a special school because they were so bright. They actually would show up to school. It was kind of like a taunt because they would actually show up to our school and then go to the other school in front of us. So we were like, what the fuck? Damn. I want to go to that school. Like, I want to go. Well, Do you what? know when their birthdays were? No. We didn't hang out with them. Because we... <laughs> a bunch of eggheads. We didn't hang out with them nerds. Well, what research would predict is that it could have been that they were actually gifted, but it's also very likely that they were just slightly older. Because what might be happening all around the freaking world is teachers are looking at these kids and thinking that they're gifted when in actuality they're just a little bit older. They're just a little bit more baked Whereas the other ones are still baking. I was very soft, yeah. Yeah, I was you, were doughy. Just, you were just like a little doughboy. I was a little doughboy. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, but like certain classes, you know, like creative writing, I was with a, with a special oh, group. And... Not everyone falls into this pattern, yeah. but overall, if we're looking at large sample sizes, it tends to be that slightly older kids tend to do better. Mm -hmm. 
And it becomes this virtuous cycle for them where early on in life, they get placed into these special classes, they get more positive recognition, they get more challenge, they get more resources. And so they keep doing better and better and better. Yeah, but he wasn't allowed to cuss or watch rated R movies. So who's the loser now? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Let's follow up with uh, Stephen Harris and Gina Mello and see if they're doing. <laughs> so younger kids, so people like you, yeah. not only did they perform slightly worse academically, they were hey. also more likely to be referred for psychological counseling, <laughs> more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD, and even given prescription meds. I can see all that. Well, no, but the research isn't showing that they actually have more ADHD. They're more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD, which oh. means the teachers are comparing the slightly younger kids to slightly older kids, not thinking about age at all and going, what's the matter with these ones? But, well, I mean, we're talking about months. Yeah. I mean, that's not... But that months at such a young age, yeah, that's we're talking true. about, you know, first grade, even kindergarten could be huge. Yeah, I was shaving by the time I was in third grade. <laughs> exactly. So. I never saw any of us as older or younger. Like, it was that's just, why it was I think just this is so strange. fascinating. It's an invisible thing that teachers don't think about, that kids don't think about, parents don't think about, but it can have a huge impact on people's lives. Personally, I'm just grateful that I got left back in the first grade. <laughs> so you can excel. So you can have all the test scores and everything in advance. And you can be like, yeah, hey, stick with me, kid. When I did this twice, I aced it. Stick I wish with I got me. left back more often. <laughs> it does make me a little bit more humble because if I'm like, huh. Because I was vice president in fourth grade of the student council and I was president in fifth grade. And, you know, that could have just been because I was a few months older than people. Yeah, yeah. People Gosh. followed you because they were like, she reminds me of my mom. My whole life might be just a lie. Sounds like it. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Okay, so we've talked about relative age. I'd love to now move on to just the topic of aging, which is an uncomfortable topic for a lot of people. Uh-huh. You mentioned a little bit of the reason for why that might be. Why do you think so many people have age hangups? Healing factor. Very few people have it. You know, like look at Wolverine. He's over 150 years old, 140 something, and he looks great. And a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people don't have that ability to regenerate. Okay. So if I were to try to interpret what you just said, (laughs) people are uncomfortable with age because they get closer and closer (laughs) to... (laughs) Inevitability. <laughs> so they get closer and closer to di- like their bodies deteriorating. Dust. They, start getting they get closer, closer to dust. To death. Yes. Anything else? I mean, I think what's really hard, especially for someone who's very physical, when you get to a point where you're like, "Holy shit!" I remember the first time running across the street on Twenty Third Street. I don't know what happened. So like around the time I was like thirty one, thirty two years old, you know, I, I was working all the time, and then. Something happened where I had to run across 20, 23rd Street uh, on 6th Avenue, 7th Avenue. And I ran and I was like, did I forget how to run? Like my knees were hitting my chest. I felt my heel on my ass. Like it was, I just felt like I was flailing. And your all of a sudden, knees were hitting your yeah, chest? It was just weird. I, I just felt like I was this, I, I wasn't even running. I felt like I was a cloud of I'm flesh. I'm sorry. This doesn't sound age related. No, your knees were hitting your what chest? What I'm saying is, is that there, there comes a point where you just... Something happens yeah. physically, yeah. And, and and you're not. That happened the to me same... when I couldn't do a cartwheel anymore. And yeah, I was like, do you remember? What do you remember when you, this, last year when you tried a cartwheel? Yeah, I was so confident that I could still cartwheel. <laughs> Listen, y'all, it it looked like she was thrown from a moving car. She was just <laughs> she went over, and for a minute, as her legs left the earth and went over her head, I was like. What am I going to do without her? Like, because I, I was like, she's not, she's not coming down easy. So, I mean, yeah, with age comes the sense of loss, especially in cultures that put premium on youthfulness 
and appearance yeah. and physicality and all that kind of stuff. But the research is actually quite promising. For example, Blydorn and team studied about 986,000 participants across 48 nations, and they found that self-esteem tends to increase with age from late adolescence <laughs> onward. Why do you think that might be? So when you're in your early 20s, you think you know everything. And by the time you get to your late 30s, you've been through enough shit to know. So you're not just it. all puffed up. Feathers. You're not all puffed up. You've lived a little more life, so you're, you're a little more certain. What you're describing, there's a concept for this in psychology called the Dunning-Kruger effect, mm -hmm. which shows that when we don't know anything, we're actually the most confident. They call it unconscious incompetence. <laughs> when you have no idea. I remember when I got out of high school and I came to New York. I was 18 years old. Cocky and, Oh my God. I thought <laughs> I knew. The, I was like, I got it, New York. I got it. People were like, this is New York. It's a big city, y'all. You're going there and I'm here. I was like, I got it. I'm good. <laughs> I, I got know, this, I know. New York. Look, I just graduated from Robert E. Lee High School. I got this. You know? <laughs> and, um, and so... This is I, what happens when you're voted best all around. All right, all right. So then I get to I get to New York and I was like, oh, I don't even want to leave my dorm today because I'm terrified. That's exactly the Dunning-Kruger yeah. effect where you start off with unconscious incompetence. You're king of the mountain. And then all of a sudden reality sets in and you develop what's known as conscious incompetence. Hmm. That's when you become aware of your shortcomings. And only after that <laughs> could you actually start to build up real confidence as a result of actually developing skill. Right. So yeah, it does show that with increasing age after adolescence, people start to build this understanding of themselves, this confidence in their abilities. The one exception here is some research shows that post-retirement self-esteem can decline. But there are also studies that show that post-retirement self-esteem can increase. What's your guess about that? So it's either going to decrease or increase. Or stay the same. That's what the So the study shows <laughs> that it's either going to decrease, stay the same, or increase. And they got grant money for that. Those well, are what, good, solid facts. I think facts. what is interesting about the differences in these findings <laughs> is that for some people, retirement is this tipping point where mm. self-esteem shifts. Purpose. But, I think when you have a job for, you know... 40, 50 years and you wake up and every morning you have a purpose. It was really hard for my dad when he had to retire. It was really hard. And I remember conversations that my dad and I had uh, when he was forced to retire that he was like, well, what am I going to do? Mm. You know, like, and what he meant was, who am I? Yeah. Now? People come to me with issues. People come to me with problems. And now he was having to go and find answers for this new lifestyle of his, you know, yeah. and, and it was very, very difficult for him. He would uh, take on security for the apartments. He, he didn't work there. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He didn't work there. He, he just would take on like fake he, jobs. He would take on fake jobs, and he would like mm. patrol the neighborhood and make sure everyone was okay. And for the apartment complex he was in, he even acted like a maintenance man. Like yeah. he would go and help people with problems. And yeah, I was like, Dad, get out of that person's apartment. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I think what you're bringing on is spot on. Really what the research seems to point to is the role of identity. Mm -hmm. So, for example, people who retired and commit to an identity of being a great spouse if they were married, their self-esteem would actually go up. Hmm. So it's all really about who do you think you are? Right, right. I guess that's why they say you should never be married to your job because that could end. You know, employment can end, uh, as we all know right now in this tumultuous time. Right. 
You're um, right. I mean, so much of what people might be feeling right now has to do with a loss of meaning, mm-hmm. right? Being forced in that position, you have to figure out like who you are. But if you find something in your personal life, like you said, a spouse or... A value. A value. Uh, or your dog, Huckleberry. <laughs> a, a friend of mine has this really great thing that she says, which is you should never try to be an er or an ist. Don't be a teacher or a chemist so or whatever. So be a teach or a chem. <laughs> Is that what she, that what she Her point is don't <laughs> hold on to an identity. Let your identities constantly be complex and shifting and evolving because you're so much more than that one thing. I don't know. I, I have to disagree because when Leanne called me King Rascal <laughs> today, it changed my identity. Well, yeah, but she didn't call you Rascaler or Rascalist. But I think that's a really great identity. That's so fluid. You can yeah. be King Rascal. No one can take that from you. <laughs> like to see him try. Bring it! <laughs> So I do think that that's a really important takeaway is how important it is as we age to let our identities evolve and stay complex and stay fluid so that we allow ourselves to kind of release who we were so that we can become who we might be. And it also allows people to do our favorite thing, which is never stop exploring. I mean, that's that's a, a little phrase we use in our relationship. There is research that shows that as we get older, we become a little bit less open to new experiences. We become more set in our ways. <laughs> yes. I, yes. <laughs> I am that. Yes. yes. So, and I'm just I think, thinking of some of the things that you, you've wanted to do in the last couple of years. I was like, are you out of your mind? Safari? What? <laughs> doing that? Safari. Sometimes it's like, hey, do you want to try this new type of vegetable? I'm not doing that. <laughs> Actually, maybe it makes sense from an evolutionary perspective, but from a reality perspective, I think being older today, it doesn't go hand in hand with becoming set in your ways. That becomes a liability. We need to keep exploring. We need to keep staying open to new experiences. Especially now when there's like really no excuse to not be, as you get older, to not try new things. Right. Because we're exposed to so much more now. Which, by the way, there's other research that shows that taking on new experiences, learning new things, and even just walking has a huge impact on longevity. So aside from self-esteem generally Mm -hmm. going up, research also shows that overall happiness tends to go up with age too, as long as you have enough financial safety that you're not chronically worried about money. So for people in the U.S. earning less than $43,000 per year, this is a study done in 2015, life happiness went down with age, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. If we remove socioeconomic status as a factor, happiness tends to go up with age, including hedonic happiness Mm -hmm. which is just another word for pleasure Mm -hmm. or enjoyment and eudaimonic happiness which includes positive relationships meaning and growth why do you think that is because as you get older you just you kind of know more things hopefully you've been able to manage your stress in a way that you know what what needs to be stressed about and you know Mm, you you know to know yourself yeah so like when you're in your 30s and money's like everything just seems so overwhelming at times like where you're getting bombarded by messages your family's telling you and things that your career is telling you and what you want to do but i think when you get to a certain age you can look back at that and think oh this is what was really important and maybe you can kind of find a little more peace and i know that sounds like i'm saying find peace because you're closer to death but that's not what I mean, no, because just... if you look at someone like Captain America, who's been around for a long, long time, and the older he gets, he gets a little more peaceful. He gets a little more confident, better leader. Okay. Um, you're able to see things a little more clearly. And I'm not talking about the Hydra cap that just came out, where they rewrote years of him being a Hydra agent. I'm not talking about any of that crap. I'm talking about the real Captain America. And if I'm looking at it through Cap's eyes, he sees things more clearly because he listens better. You just have a lot more experience with things. And maybe so... more humility, too. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say. I love that. Team cap. So part of it could be getting to know yourself. Mm-hmm. Part of it could also be a matter of life events, like making more money with age and having more meaning in your work, being in a relationship. All of that is the kind of stuff that we tend to struggle with earlier on in life. So actually, in a study done by Jessica Morgan and team with over 46,000 participants across 29 European nations, they found a U-shaped happiness relationship Hmm. where life satisfaction dips in middle age, so around the late 50s, and then goes back up again. Hmm. In that study, they controlled for all those variables. So they controlled for career, they controlled for relationship, they controlled for income. And when all of those things are taken away, there's that U-shape. The neurological theory is that this U-shape is consistent with when we have changes in our brains that make us less blindly optimistic, which can lead to a plummet in happiness temporarily. Mm. So when we're younger, we tend to have this intense optimism bias. And as we get older, we actually become more realistic. And then it gets to this boiling point where we're like, oh, crap. And then you see reality for what it is. And then once you reach that point, things start getting better because that's when you start adjusting to your new reality. From a neurological perspective, there's less amygdala function, which basically Mm. means you start to chill out, and more frontal lobe function, which means that we start to think more rationally. I'm thinking of like every culture ages differently as well. And where I come from, it's a scary thing to get old Mm. uh, because you probably had a job where you're blue collar for years and years and years. And like earlier, you were talking about like, if you're making under 43000 which is where the majority of the people where I come from are financially. When my dad was getting older and he didn't, he didn't have savings and he didn't have this. I mean, he worked every day and I'm not ashamed to say that we, we live paycheck to paycheck, you know, uh, growing up. And he was happier in a sense, but... As he got older? As he got older, but there is always going to be that financial stress you know, and, and I think that some of these studies might be colorblind when it talks about the U and everything. If you're looking at a upper middle class family that, that oh, can no, save. That's a, so stuff. that's exactly what they found, that the U doesn't exist when you factor in financial struggles. That makes sense. I just, I wish there was a way that anyone over a certain age could feel like no stress and no worry about where their next dollar is going to come. Or, you know, there was always like an underlining... <sighs> Dying broke was like a a fear. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you might be left alone, you know, like if you didn't have anyone there to take care of you, if you didn't have any kids. My dad would tell me stories about like at the welfare office or something like that, like seeing people by themselves and stressed because they didn't get the amount of food stamps that they were used to. They either cut back or whatever. And like, I I just wish that there was a way, you know, as, as you get older, that you didn't have to worry about anything. You yeah. didn't have to worry about being alone or healthcare or This happened food in stamps. Ukraine when during the Soviet Union, people thought that they were going to be totally secure for life and they would retire thinking that they would be supported by the government for the rest of their lives. And then when the Soviet Union fell, all hmm. of a sudden they lost all of their retirement. So what did they do? Like what happened? They were just destitute. So you just saw all these people living in poverty. So yeah, I think how society or community or family treats people as they age has a huge impact on 
people's lives. I guess this is making me think about how I can play a more positive role in people's life as mm-hmm. they age and to be a part of people's sense of pride and meaning and purpose where I have the opportunity to do that. Mm. That's nice. I like that a lot. It, You know, ageism has been a, a hot topic lately because of how COVID is affecting the elderly and how there's a big debate about when we're going to get out of quarantine because I feel healthy and I'm good. You know, basically <laughs> sacrificing the elderly so we can open up our economy and things like that. I I just don't think in this country that we look at our elderly the same, like, because aging is something that happens next year. Aging is Mm. something that happens to the person who's two years older. Even though Um, it's the one thing we all have in common. All have in common, right? I really do think there's a, there's a, like a denial that sets in that it, that it's not happening to you. Like, I still yeah. feel good. Like, well, I still and feel... And I think a lot of the ageism that happens, it's important to take a look at this research that shows that, hey, a lot of good stuff happens with age. Yeah, Because yeah. we tend to be so scared of age. But if you think about the power of diversity, if you think about the power, whether in the workplace or in your personal life, of what happens when you hear different perspectives, when you learn from people who have more experience, who have less experience, that's beautiful. If mm. we stop thinking of aging as this, like, sad thing that's not the world that we're living in anymore you could have individuals who are starting their 10th career that are contributing more to the workplace than individuals in their 30s and 40s you know innovation now can come from people anywhere so i think if we start looking at age as this form of this really beautiful diversity that we bring it can be a, a much more exciting thing. Right. As, as opposed to like picturing it like a withering flower or something. Yeah. You know? like, We're just not in that world anymore. It's not yeah. like we need people to be lifting things. Or, right, right, right. You know, does it even matter how many wrinkles we have? <laughs> because right. what we really want is just people to bring their different strengths. If we stop looking at age as this decline and start recognizing a lot of the positive things that happen, maybe we could have more respect and more enjoyment. So a couple of years ago or last year, this hit me the same way. I was like, there's going to be a time when I may start forgetting things or there may be a time when I when I may not be able to work out the way I want to anymore. But today's not that day. Mm-hmm. And if you just keep moving forward, if you just keep living and assume that it's down the road somewhere, but it ain't today. I didn't hear no bell, you know, <laughs> I love then that. it may change the way you look at aging. I love right? the idea of seeing that in yourself and seeing that in others. Like don't make assumptions about someone's ability based on what their age number is yeah right like you have no idea who's better than you or worse than you at something based on how long they've lived speaking of people who have lived a while in our last few minutes together what i'd love to do is talk to you about what we can learn from older adults okay Age researcher Carl Pilmer and team asked over 1,500 Americans over age 65 to talk about their biggest life regrets and lessons. (laughs) Can I share some of the takeaways? Sure, please. Okay, so here are six themes that I think are important to remember. They found more, but I'll just call out these. Let me know how you think you're doing in each of these domains as your birthday is coming up. Like one to five? Sure, one to five. Okay. Five is really, really good. Yeah, one one is not failing. Yeah. Youngest in your class. Okay. About to be left back. Imagine Tanya. you got left back, like you're about to be 46, but your life is like, mm, mm, You didn't do this. You need, I don't want to do, I do not want to do 2020 over again. So get we, out of here. Can you imagine that. if we had to do 2020 over again? I feel like we're going to, I think we might have to. Let's do 2020 well, friends. Because <laughs> Let's just end strong. I don't want to do this Let's just end strong, Hoss. All right. So six themes. Right. Number one, take time to get to know someone before committing to a romantic relationship. Really make sure this person is the right one for you. One. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is one we really screwed up. We really screwed up. <laughs> so, so Brian and I moved in together after our second date. Mm-hmm. And I think we that got was married. the second date. Yeah, our second date was me moving, moving in. in. <laughs> and we got married that same year. That same year. Okay, so number one, we failed. Yeah. But it worked out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As far as we know. As far as we know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, today. <laughs> okay, sorry, people 65 and older. This one we disagree with. Okay, number two, resolve estrangements now. Uh, Yeah, like three, four. A four, you give there. yourself a better four? Yeah, like a three and a half. Like there's one particular relationship I wish I just can't find the foothold to get mm. it to ground. But I think that's great advice. If you think about what do I want to make sure I don't regret later on in life? Absolutely. You want to take the time right now to go, is there anyone that yeah. I have conflict with? Is there anyone that I have tension with? And can I just Now, don't get me wrong. Move on there's that. about 11 that I'm going to keep. Oh, yeah. There's about 11 that are going to die with me with my <laughs> hand on their throat. So How are you going to have 11 people with your hand on their throat? Because they have little pencil necks. <laughs> so they're like all in a little bundle? Yeah, they're in like okay. a little broccolini. No, look, for me personally, I don't have a relationship with my father. I haven't in a really long time. And I think that was a really good choice. So I think the important thing is to pause and just go, am I comfortable with this? Yeah, 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 if, if you want it. Sometimes yeah. I think estrangements are the right move. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to this again a few years from now and see if I still feel the same way. Starring So Tanya, far, we're not a, agreeing with... Estrangement Thing, starring Tanya Luna. <laughs> okay, number three. Tell people how you feel. So this includes things like apologizing, expressing gratitude, showing love, and just generally being honest. Four. Four out of five. Yeah. Give yourself. Okay, I like that's a pretty 4. good 2. number. 4.2. 4.2. Do you want to tell me right now something that you're holding back? Gas. <laughs> Excellent. All right, number four. Travel more. Ooh. Not right now. Not right now. <laughs> and uh, I don't know that I'm big on travel. Actually, earlier last year, I had the opportunity to go to London or to go to England by myself. To um, film something. To film something. And uh, I stayed in this small little town that I've never been to before. And it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. So travel more, yes, but not to anywhere that where something wants to eat me. Yeah, not based on this research. So 1,500 Americans say this is the one of the things you're going to regret is looking back and saying, I haven't traveled as much as I could have. You know who's not there to say that we regret we didn't get eaten? That's fair. So you're saying that all the people that died traveling, they're not yeah, part of the they're sample. They're not part of that sample size. Okay. All right, fine. Number five. Take more risks in your career. Say yes to opportunities. This is one of the biggest regrets people had is that they played it safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm like a two or a three. Okay. Yeah. All right. So this might be one worth considering at age 46. And then number six is don't waste so much time worrying. So older adults felt like, you know what? I wish I could have had those years back that I spent time worrying about things that either didn't happen or weren't as bad as I thought they were going to be. Because I I, I tend to, to dip in that worry pool. So before we wrap up, do you have any life advice to share with folks who are younger. I can add a couple more points to that. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Because you're at ripe old age of almost 46. Yeah. What what can folks who are younger than you learn from you? Play more. Don't be afraid to be silly. Dance in a grocery store. Play games. Get an Xbox or something. And like anything that made you happy as a child, revisit it. I wonder if there's almost like a Dunning-Kruger version for silliness. You know, where (laughs) when you're a little kid, you're like unconsciously silly all the time. Yeah. And then you become a little older and you become self-conscious. And then it really takes some self-awareness and acceptance to get silly again. Okay. Here's another one I just thought of. Yeah. Don't say no to anyone's ideas. Mm. Build on ideas. I disagree. (laughs) 
<laughs> you have the time. I, I got this because recently I planted something for the first time in my life. I didn't know anything about the earth other than like spitting on it or, or whatever. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't know anything about like planting or gardening or none of that. So our friends brought us tulip bulbs. And they were like, you got to plant them now. This is back in January and December. And they're like, you got to plant them now so you can see them in the spring. And I was like, that's so long. That's, that's such a long, long time away. Like I want to, if I put tulips in the ground on Monday, damn it, Friday, I better see bulbs. You and wanted like microwave tulips. I wanted microwave tulips. And I was like, this is going to be ridiculous. So sure enough, I planted them, forgot about them. And about three weeks ago, they all started popping up. And I got to tell you, I've never been proud of anything like I've been proud of my tulips. Oh. And we can do this with people's ideas. Oftentimes we hear an idea from someone and we have a tendency to be like, look, this is why it won't work. If you hear an idea and you see someone's passion for it, plant a tulip. may not work. I've got tulips out there that the bulbs aren't coming up. They didn't make it. They didn't make it. Of the 24, 20 did. That's amazing. And I'm seeing it. I can see them and they're so bright. And every morning I get up and I look out the window and I see them and it really is. It's like some Harry Potter stuff to me. Okay, so it sounds like you're saying take a chance in things that are not visible in the present and invest in the possibility that they invest will in possibility. In the That's it. Yeah, invest in a possibility, especially in other people. Water other people's tulips. Water other people's tulips. <laughs> don't don't get caught doing it. And um, the final thing I would say is find a project or a passion. For instance, the Infinity Stones. <laughs> I thought you were going to say this podcast. Well, yes, this podcast is like one of the stones. You know, Marvel movies and I don't know, people are like they're not real movies. They're stories and they're they're fantastic and I and they they have a whole a special place in my heart. And 10 years ago when they started making movies, the first stone popped up in Captain America the First Avenger. And 10 years later, we have this incredible movie called Endgame and it was one of the movies that I may have seen Six times already, and I've cried each time. It was this project of bringing uh, this long-haul project, this thing that took forever and felt like it was never going to come together and they were never going to put them in the same gauntlet. And when they did, they didn't know (laughs) how many realities and possibilities they were going to have to do so they could win. But my point is, is that find something you love. Find a distant project that you can work on for years and years that Mm. you... Where you can do a little piece and a little piece and a little piece at a time. Because when you finally put that gauntlet together and save the universe, you're going to be saving more than just your universe. You're going to be saving other people's universes because they're going to see possibility. You're going to show them example. You know, that whole thing, lead by example, I would say age by example. Okay, so you've got play, Mm -hmm. water other people's tulips, Mm -hmm. and it sounds like find your infinity stones. stones. (laughs) I love that. Okay, final question for you, Brian Luna, since your birthday is on the horizon. Mm -hmm. Can you please address me as King Rascal? Final question for you, King Rascal. Mm-hmm. What advice do you want to give your future self in case he's listening? Oof. And he might be listening. How far in the future? How far do you want to go? Are we talking like Kyle Reese Terminator future? I don't know what that means. <laughs> Sarah Connor. Let's imagine mm-hmm. that right now, Brian Luna uh-huh. is listening to this recording, this very episode in uh-huh. the year 2030. Yeah. What advice do you want to give to him? I would say work out every day. Twice on the days you don't feel like it. Enjoy the frosting as much as you enjoy the cake. (laughs) Stay away from onions. Believe it or not, we found out in 2020 that they actually cause cancer and can lead to death. Yeah, he would know that because he's in the future. They're the reason COVID broke out. (laughs) And Anything you don't want him to forget that you know now. (laughs) 
I don't want you to forget. Can you close your ears for a second? Me or you, me in 2030? You. No, you in 2020. Don't forget how smart this one is across from you. And when she's trying to encourage you, she's doing it for the best. And uh, she knows you a little bit better than you know you right now. And tell Huckleberry I said hi. <laughs> All right. I love that advice. I can't speak to the advice that I closed my ears for. I really committed to that. <laughs> and I have just one bit of advice left to share. If you're listening, please leave a review for the show, whether today in 2020 or in the future in 2030. If you liked it, give us those stars. Pass it on to at least one person today. And thank you for helping us get older as a show. And thank you for listening to Talk, Talk Psych, Psych to Me. me.